Good morning, back again. Did you miss me? So uh, we're having a shorter service today. You may already know that. This is a, something we do about once a month. We have a, uh, a shorter service, and then we have a newcomer's reception afterwards. So uh, if you're new to the church here, we very much want you to join us. Uh, immediately after the service over in the fellowship hall, there's refreshments there, and there's me there. And there's refreshments there, which is perhaps the important part. It's just a chance for us to get to know each other better, to introduce you a little bit to our church. And I think you'll really enjoy it if you decide to come and join us. If you've been before, uh, please come again. I mean, it's not a it's not a one-time only thing. Uh, we want to get to keep getting to know each other and keep trying to help each other uh, spiritually and such. So I think that would be great. When we have the uh, shorter service, we don't normally have something. Uh, most Sundays we have a fellowship break, and it's a chance to uh, maybe get up, meet the people around you. So we're going to have we're going to do some we're going to try something different today. We're going to have a alternative fellowship break. Now let me give you the rules for this. You can stand up, but you cannot move out of your spot. You can stand up and greet your neighbor. That's another rule. But if you do that, you have to be nice to them. So we got the two rules. Stand up. Don't go anywhere. If you speak to anybody else, be nice to them. Okay, let's go ahead and try that. Okay, sit back down, please. Sit back down, please. You know, the next time we can do that, I'm going to add a third rule, is that when I say sit back down, please, that you'll actually do that. No, I love the fellowship here. I love the warmth and the friendliness of our fellowship. That's fantastic. How did that go for you? Was that okay for everybody? So, if you do need to get up and go to the men's room or the ladies' room, uh, although discouraged, that is allowed. Just want to let you know that. If you have a Bible with you, be turning over to Nehemiah chapter 4. We've been doing a series of lessons in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. It's a great story. If you're new to the church here, you may or may not know it. We've been focusing there, and particularly, we've been talking about how God wants us to dream. God wants us to dream about things that we can do in our life, but things especially that we could do for Him. And the wonderful thing about being a Christian is, the opportunity to be empowered by God to do things for Him and for other people that will give our life purpose, that will give our life meaning, that will help us to be fulfilled, 
that will help us to leave a legacy to make a difference in the world. And that is a fantastic thing. One of the best things that you can do is to have a dream and to see those dreams come true. Now, the truth is, though, as we talk about dreams, some of you know about that and you've had dreams or you have dreams. When you're a dreamer, when you're a visionary, there's a cost that goes along with that. Have you figured that out yet? And this is one of the reasons that people perhaps even stop dreaming or afraid to dream because if they didn't realize it when they started out, there's a cost. In any dream, there's the cost of the amount of time between when you have the dream and perhaps when you see the dream fulfilled. Sometimes that can be years. There's a cost of pain that just goes along with it. Because when you have something that you're passionate about, when you have something that's on your heart, and you want it badly, but it hasn't happened yet, or it seems like it's never going to happen, that's painful, isn't it? There's spiritual pain, perhaps. There's emotional pain. Sometimes it's physically painful to make those sacrifices. There's a cost to being a dreamer. And then, of course, there's the obstacles that appear that you never anticipated in the beginning. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a good thing we didn't know about them before we started, or we never would have started dreaming. But there are always things. There's adversity. There's difficulty. There's challenge. And surely we figure this out about life, and surely we figure this out about our spiritual lives, is that anything that we try to accomplish, anything great, is going to cost us something. It's going to be challenging. So this is one of those sermons, you know. We're going to do a little church today. We're going to do a a little real life God's way. Which means we're going to talk about those challenges. You know, uh, i got to tell you, this just occurred to me while I was speaking. People who run marathons. Can we talk about them for a minute? People who somehow came up with the marathon, I want to run a marathon dream. Uh, How many people in here? I know. Are you the only one? Who else? Oh, there's a Lexi, marathon runner. Steve Justin, marathon runner. Oh, Nancy. I didn't know that, Nancy. Was that a long time ago? I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. (laughs) Marathon runner? Sophia? Rich Wright Marathon. When was that? 2000, 2001. Marathon runners? Tanisha? Jeff? Freddie? Les? You ran a marathon, Les? You've run two. It's crazy. So see, if you're a marathon runner, then there's a couple of things that we all know about you. First of all is you have great character. 
I mean, what a, what a challenge. If you don't know, 26.2 miles. Unbelievable. I mean, to do that, talk about the cost of a dream being fulfilled. Because you don't, maybe you don't know this if you've never run it, you don't just show up and run 26.2 miles. You have to train. You have to run probably hundreds of miles to prepare on this one day to run 26.2. So if you're a marathon runner and that was your dream and you fulfilled that dream, I know something about you. There's very few things in life that you cannot accomplish if you set your mind to it because you have great character. The other thing that we know about you is that you are crazy. (laughs) There is something desperately wrong with you. I know you didn't want to come to church to hear that today, but the question that always pops in my mind is why? Why would I want to do that? Is it because you don't have a car? Is it because you anticipate someday that you're going to need to run to, the, to Santa Monica and you don't have any other way to get there because the roads are blocked and the trains aren't running and the buses aren't running? I mean, why do that? You know, I used to play basketball, and it is true that if you play basketball or soccer, which, let's just say, those are normal sports. They, re- they, they involve, um, you know, a few miles of running. I'm not probably not 26 in one day, but they, they, they involve a lot of running, and it's fairly significant. But the thing about it is, it's, it's fun. They keep score. And you have teammates, and they let you run a while, and then you rest a while, and they have timeouts and half times. And sometimes people even show up to watch you, which is really awesome. Marathons, not, uh, not so much. Anyway, God wants us to dream. To have life dreams, but to have godly dreams. But there's a cost that comes along with it. Have you ever had a dream and then been tempted to give up on your dream? Because it was difficult. Have you ever given up on a dream? As we've been talking about this since the beginning of the year, some of you have been very honest with me about your spiritual dreams, your godly dreams, and I appreciate it. You said, Reese, I used to dream. When I started out on this path of following Christ, I had great dreams. But years have passed, and it was so painful for me, some of my dreams, that I just don't dream anymore because it hurts too much. That's real life God's way. And if you're in that position, I understand it. I get it. I've had a lot of dreams that are difficult to embrace. I told somebody the other day, I've been in the ministry for many, many years. That's been my dream. God put it on my heart. Yet, you know, I quit three times. Last week. And, uh, you know, I mean, it just, I get it. Sometimes it just feels like, you know, I can't do this anymore. For whatever reason, it's painful and such. But here's the thing. I want to encourage you today. The, uh, the title of the lesson is Don't Give Up on Your Dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. But the truth is that almost every dream requires perseverance. Almost every dream requires perseverance. But don't give up on your dreams. 
Some of the greatest examples and the most inspiring life examples that we find are people who persevered. Let me give you a few of those examples. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for his lack of ideas and went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. Babe Ruth set a record for hitting the most home runs in Major League Baseball, but also set the record for the most strikeouts by a batter. Elvis Presley was fired by the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville after a performance in 1954 and told he should go back to driving a truck. Thomas Edison tried 2,000 different experiments before he invented the first light bulb. He said he had never failed, but it was just a 2,000-step process. (laughs) Similarly, Dr. Jonas Salk tried 200 different vaccines for polio before he found one that worked. He explained his perseverance by saying he never failed. He just found 200 ways that didn't work first. (laughs) Beethoven, you might not know this, was completely deaf by the age of 46 years old. Yet he went on to compose his greatest works, including five symphonies after that. It's also certainly true for people of faith. And one of the reasons the Bible is so powerful, and we're going to read a story here in Nehemiah 4 in a moment that's going to illustrate it again, is because it's full of people, ordinary people, like me and you, who persevered in their faith and were rewarded by God and were a blessing to their generation, even to us today. Story after story. And what we learn when we read these stories in the Bible is that there's no contradiction between a faithful God and a difficult life. Have you figured that out yet? No contradiction between a faithful God and a difficult life. Obviously, God allows and perhaps sometimes even causes these obstacles and challenges that are put in our way. But they're for a purpose. They help us to grow. They help us to become more than we ever would have been. They help us to develop our faith, mature our characters, etc., etc. Here's a few examples from the Bible. So many. Abraham was given the vision to become father of the Jewish nation, but he had to wait 24 years to even have his first child. Joseph was given the vision to save his family. But first he was sold into slavery by his brothers and spent years in prison. David was given the vision to be the king of Israel, but first he had to flee for his life and spend 10 years living in exile. In foreign country like Philistia and caves in the wilderness, the first Christians were given the vision to share the good news of Jesus with the entire world. But many were mocked, beaten, flogged, thrown in prison, and even executed. The good news is, though, that if God has put this dream on your heart, He will empower you, He will strengthen you, He will enable you to endure if you're willing to persevere. Don't give up on your dreams. Every dream comes with a price. Now let's look at Nehemiah 4. 
want to give you a little bit of warning here. This might become your favorite chapter in the whole book of Nehemiah. Because up till now, if you know the story, Nehemiah is this guy who's come to Jerusalem and he has this vision of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And of course he needs the people who live there to help him to do that. These walls were burned to the ground 140 years before by the Babylonians. 140 years is a long time. And so Nehemiah wants to see the walls of the city built up as a, a evidence of, you know, their, as a nation, the Jewish people coming back to significance and rising themselves spiritually and being the people of God that he wants them to be. And there's a lot of great things that are going on there. So Nehemiah's story in the first three chapters, he's no significant challenges so far. I mean, God has moved powerfully. God has moved in an amazing way, and they've got all the supplies that they need, and they've got the protection from the army that Nehemiah, you know, got on the way to bring the supplies to Jerusalem. And, you know, he got there, and the people bought into the dream, and the people are working, and they're all working together beautifully. And we talked about chapter 3, small groups that work, and they're all doing their part of the wall, and they're building the wall, and things are just going along great. They've had a little bit of challenge from these two guys, Samballat and Tobiah. Do not name your children Samballat or Tobiah. These guys were uh, the sort of the power brokers in the area. We're going to see them again in the story today. And they are sort of been ridiculing and challenging them, but nothing, nothing particularly serious yet. But look what happens now. We're going to read all of Nehemiah chapter 4. And let's, uh, let's read it together. I don't believe we're going to be able to put it on the screen today, but the references are there. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you can listen along or read along with somebody near you who has a Bible. Verse 1, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates, in the army of Samaria... He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God. This is Nehemiah's prayer. For we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So we'll stop there. Things are intensifying. Samballot, Tobiah, the gang... Their uh, ridicule and their mocking, their verbal insults are increasing. They're getting more and more. Nehemiah answers that challenge with prayer, and the people get right back to work. Don't underestimate that challenge. When you have a dream, many times there are some people who will oppose you in your dream, who will not support you in the dream. Many of you have faced that when you made your You had a dream to to become a follower of Jesus, and you decided to become a Christian, and not just a Christian, 
not just a believer, but somebody who lived out the message of Jesus, who was committed that Jesus became Lord of every area of their life, that you would be committed to a fellowship, that you would give your time, that you would give your energy, that you would give your money, that you would share your faith. And many of us were opposed, sometimes by even people in our own family, who mocked us and ridiculed us. But as we're going to see, that was actually a very small challenge to what they ultimately faced. And as we go on reading here, I want you to notice two things. The significance of the challenge that they faced and also their solution to the challenge they faced. Let's continue reading in verse 7. But when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites... And the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet their threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among us and we'll kill them and put it into their work. Then the Jews, you think, could it get any worse? Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, And that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. This is Nehemiah talking. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we're widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So the idea is, if you don't know, in the battles in those days, when they would launch an attack or they would come together, the army would, they would blow the trumpet that could be heard. So what Nehemiah is saying is, we're going to do all this preparation, and we got our swords, and we got our, you know, plan, and we've got everybody in position. If, If the enemy does come and attack, as they've threatened to do, and they're going to kill us, we're going to blow that trumpet, and everybody's going to come to the spot where the trumpet blew. And we'll be ready to do battle. So we continued the work, verse 21, with half the men holding their spears. From the first light of dawn 
till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, Have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me, took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. We'll stop there. The opposition is getting greater, isn't it? They're no longer just hurling insults. They are threatening to kill the people who are working on the wall. Now, that's a pretty serious threat, isn't it? And they obviously took it very seriously because you could see what they did. All the plans that they made, the posting of the guards, the defense that they made. Think about how much more difficult their job of building the wall was now than when they started. And it was a challenge from the beginning, wasn't it? If you were here, you know, I told you, you know, all these people that are working, they're just ordinary folks like me and you. They got marriages. Many of them got families. They got jobs. And yet they, they're not getting paid for this. But they have decided, because they bought into this dream, that we're going to rebuild this wall that had been down for 140 years. And so they stopped building it, and they got about halfway there when the most intense challenge presented itself. The threat they would kill the people. And it lists all these people there, and if you know anything about the geography, it mentions the Ammonites, the Arabs, the people of Ashdod who were the Philistines. They, had, they were literally surrounded north, south, east, and west by enemies who had come together And they were ready, they stated very specifically, they were ready to kill the people who were building the wall. Now, what would you do right now if you were one of the wall builders? How would you be feeling? And then, as if it couldn't get any worse, it says here in verse 10, the strength of the labors is given out. You know what? After you've been building a wall for a time, and you've been doing that in your spare time, because you already have a real job, you get tired. You ever had a dream and you just got wore out? Your strength was wearing out, it says. And there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. What they figured out was, These walls have been down for 140 years, so all the stones were just lying on the ground, which in one sense was helpful because the materials to rebuild the walls, at least, was already there. But then you've got to move the stones out of the way, and you've got to reposition them, and then you've got to gather them up. You know, it's, it's a big job. Big job. And then you've got the Jews who live nearby. Did you see those guys? Verse 12, these were the Jews who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem. There were the walls of the city proper they were building, and then the ones who lived outside. And they came, and they had a complaint. They said, look, it's all nice and good, 
that you're rebuilding the walls for those of you who live in the city, but for those of us who live on the outside and you want us to help rebuild your wall, what about us? He says, what happens to us? We're going to be, you know, we're in the first line of attack here. If all these people come in on us. And it's said that they told them ten times over. You ever had a person like that? You know, it just seems like the critics and the negative Nellies are almost always the loudest and they're the most persistent in challenging our dreams, aren't they? The challenges were significant. But look at the solutions. This is where we can learn. God doesn't want you to give up on your dream. God wants you to persevere. There's three things that are pretty obvious here in this text. First of all, you pray. You say, well, you know, I wouldn't even have had to, I knew you would have said that. I, wouldn't even, I didn't even have to come to church today to hear that. Perhaps that's true. But sometimes the most obvious things are the things that we're not doing. When you feel like giving up on your dream. And you're wondering about whether you should continue. The first thing you need to do is pray. The second thing, though, Nehemiah says in verse 14, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. This is what we need to do. Not just to pray, but to remember and to reflect on how Great and powerful and awesome God is. That's when you go back to the stories that we mentioned earlier of people like Abraham and people like Joseph and people like David and others like Moses and the very first Christians and Peter and the apostles and Paul and all those unknown Christian soldiers who were willing to die in the arena in Rome because of their faith. That's where we go back and we remember how great and awesome and powerful our God is. That makes our prayers powerful when we remember God. And then the last thing here that I love so much, I bet you do too, verse 14, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. The encouragement that we need to be fighters. We need to be aggressive about going after the obstacles and overcoming the obstacles, and seeing great things happen, not just in our life, but for our family and for our church family. You notice in here what a beautiful picture of what the church should be. It wasn't just the families working on their little section of the wall now. They had soldiers all around that city. They had people, a night shift, and they had a day shift. And every man who was working had a helper. He had somebody standing behind him. Somebody had his back and was ready to do battle for him. But everybody was ready to fight. 
even the guys who were building the wall, you know, had a, had a, had a sword strapped on. And the guys, I don't know if you saw this, the guys who were, you know, had to remove the rubble to get it. There was a group of people that were building. There were a group of people that were moving the rubble out of the way. He says those guys, they, they carried their weapon in one hand and they, they, they moved rubble with the other. Everybody was willing to fight. Everybody got involved. This is one of the reasons that since we began this, I've encouraged you to dream again, but I've also encouraged you to share your dreams with other people. Because very rarely is a dream accomplished without the support of some very important people around you. Do you see that yet? We need to be there for each other. We need to have each other's back. We need to help each other see our dreams through. Sometimes when we're discouraged. Sometimes when we're tired. Sometimes when we feel like we can't go on. Sometimes when we feel like there's no use. We need somebody who's going to be there or some bodies who are going to be there for us who are going to get us back up and pick us back up and say, and I'm here for you and I'm going to pray for you and I've got your back and I'm going to help you and you can do this. What a beautiful picture of what the church should be. That's why you need to share your dreams. That's why we need to help each other with our dreams. Ordinary people like you and me, and they keep on building the wall. Can you imagine how difficult it would be in this situation when your very lives were at stake? Not just of you. If you're married, your wife, your husband, your children, your family, your very lives are being threatened. And they decided to go on. Why didn't they quit? At the end of the day, they didn't quit. Because what they were doing, they were doing for God, number one. And number two, what they were doing is they were doing it for each other. That's the way it needs to be with all of us in here. What is your why? What's going to keep you going? What's going to make sure you don't give up on your dream? Because you're doing it first of all for God. Secondly, you're doing it for your family and your church family. You're doing it for people you love. You're doing it because you care. Perhaps you know this already. The greatest predictor for success in any area of your life is perseverance. Teens, the sooner you learn this, the better off you're going to be. I'm not saying you haven't learned it already. But it's going to be even more obvious to you as you go on. The most important quality, perhaps, the greatest predictor of your success in any area of life, whether it's spiritually or anything else, is that you have the ability and you find the strength to keep going when it seems like you just can't go anymore. When it seems like there's not a sink, you can't go another step. You just put that foot in front of the other one 
one more time. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. That's life. If you don't do that, you will not graduate from high school. Even more so, if you do not do that, you will not graduate from college. Even more so, if you do not do that, you will not remain a Christian. Even more so, if you do not do that, you will not keep a job. Do I need to go on? Even more so, if you do not do that, if you get married, it's very likely you will not stay married. All of you have parents, right? I mean, you never want to assume. But if you haven't figured it out already, and I bet you have, the challenge that your parents have of making a marriage work is very normal. And it's the same challenge the rest of us have. And you know what you do? You persevere. Are we ready to dream again? Good news. God wants perseverance, not perfection. Can we say an amen to that? Because the perfection dream is gone. Right? If you ever had the perfection dream... If you became a Christian, you lost it before you got baptized. And then some of us were silly enough to think that now that I'm now that I'm following Jesus and now that I'm saved and I've got the Holy Spirit and I've got a great church around me, perhaps I can achieve perfection now. That dream was lost in about a week. It was really lost in a day, but you just didn't know it. You only realized it a week later. God does not want your perfection. God does not expect your perfection. But you know what he expects? He expects perseverance. The people who will be rewarded on the day of judgment are the people who have sought God and loved God and lived for God and paid the price and paid the cost. And they didn't always know what it was going to be ahead of time, but they kept putting one foot in front of the other. And they kept going and they kept dreaming and they kept living And Jesus at the end says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Well, I have more to say, but perhaps we'll continue that next week. We have an outdoor service, and uh, I think it would be great to continue those thoughts. But we'll spend a week thinking about it. Don't give up on your dreams. Almost every dream requires perseverance. Let's pray together. God, thank you for our time here today. Thank you for all the inspiring examples that we see in our world of people who 
had a dream and just didn't give up. But most of all, thank you for all those examples of those men and women in the that we read about in the Bible, in your word, that throughout history overcame almost seemingly impossible obstacles and odds and pulled together and just kept kept going. Thank you for the example of Nehemiah and not just Nehemiah, but all the people who kept building that wall in spite of even the threat of their own lives being lost. Help us to be those people, whether we're young or we're old. Anybody in here who's not yet a follower of Jesus, help them to persevere in their desire to be a follower of Jesus. All those who are still following, give us the strength that we need to persevere. Give us the strength we need to dream again. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, newcomers reception is over here in the fellowship hall beginning right away.